is up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is week 91, episode 135 of doing this for you guys, and we have got another great episode for you this week. Another interview coming up this week. We get to learn about the University of Houston, a school we have a lot more familiarity with uh, that will be joining the conference next week. So excited for our interview about Houston. But before we get into all of that, make sure you are following us on Apple and on Spotify. Give us that five-star rating on either platform. And if you listen to us on Apple, hit us with that review. Uh, Also, follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. Uh, That's where we do most of our interacting and uh, all of that on there. So make sure you're following us there and follow us uh, our personal accounts at Dustin Wimmer 22 and myself at Calvin B. Barrett. Also follow our Facebook. Also follow our Instagram and follow us on YouTube as well. It's where we post some Uh, short clips from each week's episodes, or when we have interviews, we'll just post the full interview for you to see there, so you can go watch our interview with the Sons of UCF. Uh, That's on there, Uh, a couple other clips as well. Uh, And lastly, make sure you are following, or if you got any questions, comments, or anything to add to the tailgate, email us at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. So with all of that said, let's get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. Raiders! Man, I've been waiting all my life to do Well, everybody, we are excited tonight to continue to get to know our new future Big 12 foes. Uh, Last week we talked to Sons of UCF about Central Florida joining the conference and this week we've got the guys from Pod Slamma Jamma here joining us. We love that podcast name by the way. uh, We thought both were like we got to get that pod on when we saw it. Uh, We got Andy and we got Day on here uh, to teach us everything we need to know about Houston to give us their thoughts on them joining the conference. And so we're excited about that, guys. Welcome to the tailgate. How are y'all doing tonight? We're doing good. Thank you for having us. We appreciate the the platform, the opportunity to be uh, your guys' guests. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, guys. So let's just start it off with an easy one. Just kind of tell us about y'all's podcast and y'all's connection to uh, the University of Houston. Yeah, I'd, I'll take that one first, just in terms of when, when we first launched the idea for uh, Pod Slam and Jamla. It's actually a funny story because, uh, similar to you guys, we started around that, that COVID uh, right before the really the start of the COVID season. We started around August 2020, and originally we were only focusing on men's and women's basketball at the University of Houston. Um, obviously, of course, uh, with Calvin Sampson has been able to build up at the, at the University of Houston, yeah. we thought, you know, we originally launched as a 
podcast platform focusing on Houston hoops that was not only, of course, we were on the University of Houston side, but another podcast on the Houston Rockets side, the local pro sports team here in, in, in Houston. So that's how we originally launched. We did that for a couple of uh, for one year and originally we had a rotating co-host panel then obviously of course the men's basketball team goes on the final four run that's when Dayon kind of joined after that and um, last summer we kind of got into started covering a little bit of football and this past year we've moved on and, and we've kind of launched uh, starting to have the video portion so we actually have our videos um, streamed on YouTube as well so our video podcast platforms and uh, that's pretty much the story Dayon if there's anything you want wanted to add just from since when you joined i mean you pretty much covered it when i joined it was like any city was specifically uh, more basketball and we kind of pitched the idea let's get some football in there because they were kind of having some a little bit of success and so i mean just thought of expanding and it's been going really well well cool let's get into some texas tech and houston history so out of the four schools joining the conference we have the most familiarity with houston as we faced uh, many times we go back to the Southwestern Conference uh, back in those days too. So Texas Tech leads the football series 18 to 14, uh, currently on a four-game win streak against Houston. Uh, our last basketball meeting was just this uh, back in 2020, the COVID season, as many people remember it by. Uh, unfortunately for Texas Tech, we lost that matchup to Houston and then uh, we've also faced each other off in baseball. Our last meeting was in 2020 in baseball. Um, I think we won that game three to two. Uh, so we are familiar with the University of Houston. So let's just start it off. Tell us everything Texas Tech fans might not know about the University of Houston from the outside kind of looking in. Yeah, um, I'll go first and then Dayon, you can you can sprinkle in after but uh, just starting from uh, kind of the, the football perspective and the matchups, I think uh, certainly the past couple of them, obviously you said at Texas Tech's like on a four-game winning streak on, on the football field. The past two games, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, the past two games uh, certainly have been um, kind of uh, down games for Houston just in terms of uh, the, the one two years ago, I believe it was in 2018 when they, when they last time they played in Lubbock where um, – Texas Tech put on, I yep. think they might have set a record. I think they ended up putting up like 62 points or they, they, they got up there. It might have been 63 um, up there in points, and they just torched the, the Houston yeah. uh, defense. And then, obviously, of course, they met this past season, 2021, the start of, of the of the new season here at NRG Stadium. They jumped out to, what was it, a 24-7 lead? And, uh, yeah, y'all were yeah, y'all scored on like y'all scored yeah. in the first possession. Yeah, got the onside I, kick scored again. We all yes. were thinking yeah, it was gonna and, be terrible. You know, and <laughs> uh, yeah, Houston fans are all riding high, and then they go scoreless. They get shut out in the second half and lose, uh, thirty-eight to twenty-four. Coming off the past two years that, that Dana Holgerson had been the head coach, um, a lot of Houston fans started to kind of be as pessimistic as possible, not only uh, on Dana Holgerson, but the starting quarterback, uh, it was Clayton Toon, who had, uh, I believe that was gonna, that was like his third full season, um, with Houston being, being the starter, and it did not get off to a good start, I think he threw four interceptions, so, um, certainly some history, and, and, uh, Dayan, I'll toss it over to you, just in terms of what, what kind of that Texas Tech, uh, Houston rivalry has been like as of late. For me, it's been the biggest rivalry outside of SMU. I know we've seen SMU, but that's the only Texas school outside of SMU that we've played. And like Andy just mentioned, the last two years, I kind of feel like 
Houston gave the game away. I'm sure you guys feel like you guys took it and, and earned the win for sure. But, I mean, I, I, me and Andy I always talk a lot about um, that matchup specifically. And I, I would love to hear you guys' perspective on on your football program and get more insight, the new coaching staff, and how you guys feel about the direction of your um, – I'm sure we'll get into it more, but – Specifically for those last two matchups, man, I'm excited for this one. I, I need some payback. I, I got to have it. Yeah, we were feeling pretty good after that comeback win. I know that. Dustin, you got anything for him? I think we were mostly surprised yeah. that we came back and won that one. And then we were surprised later in the season when y'all rolling and weren't losing to anybody else. And we're like, we're lucky we beat them because they should have crushed us because we couldn't beat anybody else the rest of the year. Yeah, we had to fire our coach. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, things – that was probably the high point of the season at one point. And then, you know, other than that, it was pretty uh, forgetful season and up until the very end. Uh, so just kind of going off that, what are what are Houston fans like? Uh, Dayon, we'll start with you on that. Because we've only seen him at the tailgates in some of these games. What are real Houston fans like? What are they like on Twitter? Uh, I don't know if y'all saw uh, one of – uh, tech pod was doing competitions on who's you know the craziest fan base and stuff like that so what should we expect for houston houston fans they're tricky i'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie they're tricky because they support the team if they're winning but me and andy have had this conversation often they come to see the other team i mean they come to support houston when houston is doing well but from they come to really see the other if it's so like for texas tech for example they come for that matchup not only to see houston but to see the houston texas tech and then you have some of the other matchups that we play in the american where the crowds are just uh hit or miss yeah. but like from smu games they come out for that so houston fans are tricky in the in the sense of attendance but on twitter it's a lot of houston stand accounts i will say on twitter they get yeah. active they talk trash they they get crazy on twitter for sure yeah and, and to follow up i think the the perfect word to describe it um it's they're, they're kind of fickle um because especially when you look at it from the men's basketball perspective and and how successful they have been for um yeah. the past few years that fan base i mean they they sell out almost every game those atmospheres get real rowdy especially when it, going to american athletic conference rivalries whenever memphis uh, comes in town those are the yeah. best atmospheres um this past season when they played virginia non-conference that was a really really rowdy crowd um but then when you look at the football perspective like we had mentioned uh, the, the first two years under dana holgerson they didn't necessarily go um, as as well as they would have liked it to have been in terms of wins. Uh, I remember going back to the COVID season when even it was at 25% capacity, so the crowd was already uh, pretty sparse, and they played BYU in non-conference, and, um, you know, it, it was probably 50-50 BYU fans um, at TDCU Stadium. Um, but this coming season after or this following season when it, it turned around and then they started to go on that winning streak and part of it has to do of course with the non-conference opponents um no 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 offense to who houston played this past season but rice grambling and and those schools don't necessarily build a lot of buzz um yeah. when it comes to a big game atmosphere they played texas tech but that game was at nrg stadium as well it wasn't on campus right. um so that that Part of it has to do with, with a big factor, but I mean, if you go back to the mid 2010s, you know, uh, 2014, 2015, when the football team was rolling and and they they beat Florida State in the in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, 
yeah. that's that's you can kind of see that you know, when the program is rolling, that's that's kind of the blueprint. They do show out. They would pack out TDCU Stadium. They would sell out. Uh, it was a hard ticket to get into, and and um, but that just goes back to say it, it, they're kind of fickle when it comes to it has to be a winning program before they show that support. Now maybe they've turned the corner, and, and especially with the football season, uh, the football team with the season they were able to put together, um, maybe there'll be more buzz going forward. But again, when when you look at the non-conference, uh, the Texas Tech game is going to be on the road. They play UTSA on the road, and the two games right. are Kansas and Rice, the non-conference home games. Again, not necessarily the best uh, non-conference path. Yeah, um, Dan, I want to follow up with your kind of attendance point you had there do you think some of that might be because Houston's such a big city and metropolitan area and you have a lot of other alumni bases in the Houston area and like Lubbock you have the vast vast majority of Texas Tech alumni I think Houston the city of Houston might be the other way around yeah I think that has a huge um factor it is a huge factor that plays a part into it but at the same time, like Andy just said, when the team is rolling, like I remember when Louisville came into town, Lamar Jackson, that was what the biggest crowd I've seen at TDECU Stadium. And so I, I definitely think that is. But the, the alumni, they come um, weekly. They come routinely. So the, the student fans come routinely. It's just like you said, I definitely think that is a factor because there's so much other things to do going on. You got – all the other schools, the Rockets and Texans, all the other things. Right. But when Houston is rolling and, and they're having success, the fans will show out. But I definitely do think, and also with Houston being a commute school, that also plays a part into it as well, I think. So going to Houston, joining the Big 12 coming up soon. What does, start with you, Dayon, what does that mean for Houston and you guys with Houston coming to the Big 12 um, athletically? I think it means a lot. I think now we're talking about the fans being fickle. I think it's a ton of excitement, especially with the recent success, specifically with football and basketball, and even the women's basketball kind of on the fence, but specifically football and men's football and basketball, it's excitement. Everyone's excited. It, they're been waiting since 2016 when they were yeah. um, denied. And so it's a ton of excitement. They're ready. They're chomping at the bit. And, and really, I mean, I'm lost for words because everything that I hear from Twitter, from you see from people, everyone is really, really excited. And so I think Houston fans and the team's recruitment is going better. I think all around Houston is really, really preparing himself from the administrative side to the football side. I think everyone is really, really excited to join the Big 12. Yeah, Andy, same question for you. And I question we ask UCF like what do you think this does for Houston recruiting wise because y'all are in a really big area uh, of Texas close to Louisiana there hot recruiting trail over there so uh, like your thoughts on Houston joining the Big 12 and then what do you think that does for y'all recruiting wise no oh, obviously it, it's going to be a huge boost for the city of Houston especially finally being um, being like uh, Dayon had mentioned being denied a power five being able to be a part of a Power 5 conference for so long since, really, since the Southwestern Conference fell apart uh, so yeah. long ago. Um, and especially when you look at the city of Houston and, and high school football here in the city, it is such yeah. a hotbed uh, for talent. And, and for the longest, you know, you had not only, obviously, of course, the, the you know, the, the cream, the, the top 
schools from Alabama to Clemson, all these schools that are recruiting um, in Texas. But then, of course, when you just think of within the state, the, the premier programs uh, or at least the brand premier when it comes to the University of Texas, Texas A&M, uh, those schools, they, they tended to get a lot of the local talent. Now, um, Houston kind of catches up a little bit when it comes to certainly football recruiting uh, because now they can pitch more the, the um kind of the lore of staying home um and, and that obviously of course with texas going to the sec and texas a&m already being there um there'd still be a little bit of um not necessarily a even playing field but when you look at some of the other schools in texas when it comes to like baylor texas tech tcu um houston's gonna be much more on an even playing field and that's right. certainly gonna benefit the cougars in the long run and especially if they can build on the success um for football specifically on the success that they had last season improved it you know it wasn't just a one-year one-off they're building something here and i i think it's gonna go a long way especially with um just the moves that they've been able to make this past off season on dana Holgerson and, and one one of the stuff that his coaching staff has done a real good job of is um, getting transfers from other schools. And that's that's really been kind of his uh, biggest strength so far that he's been here at the University of Houston and, and getting uh, – players that way now that's not maybe that's not necessarily going to be the place that you can get them straight out of the high school um because when you think of football they're not necessarily right. landing a lot of these five-star four-star recruits i mean when you look at five-star and down you can talk to me you can you know speak up but i believe the last time they got a high five and recruit it, it was probably ed oliver yeah it was ed oliver and yeah. to add on to the recruiting most of your transfer that they have are from the state of texas and so they are recruiting yeah. in state in which that's big and I think Not if they can us. continue success, they will start getting maybe some of these four, maybe even five-star recruits because they will have something to build on. Like all the points that Andy just mentioned going into the Big 12, it's an even playing field because you got the likes of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, all those schools who are coming into Texas and getting um, recruits out of Texas, specifically Houston. And so um, Dana Hogerson said they are recruiting Houston hard. Every athlete in Houston, they're recruiting them hard. And so I'm expecting them to get more recruits out of high school but that transfer portal really has been um nice for you so dan i want to stay on football since we kind of already on that track what are y'all's thoughts on dana holgerson and his new kind of regime and takeover and the great season last year and where that football program is going under him i think i mean he's done an outstanding job i mean from in his last couple of years because when he first got a year got here a lot of the players um, he had to kind of weed out players who didn't want to be in Houston and or, or under his regime, under his team. And then certain play, it was a lot of things with players as far as red shirtings, a lot of different obstacles he had to um, jump over and hurdle through. And so over the last couple of years, I think one thing he's really done is build a great staff. I think he has a really, really good staff highlighted by um, Doug Belk, who's one of the, the most talented, um, highly talented coordinators right now defensive coordinator they retained him and so uh, early on it, it was okay the COVID year I, I didn't really put much stock in it because it is what it is but last year I expected them to do what they did specifically because of the strength of the schedule this year I'm expecting the same thing and so just kind of I, I feel he, he's done a, a yeah. good job being on what the program was at when he got here what he had to do to kind of build his culture in the direction that they're going now. So I, I think he's done a, a fair job, a good job over the last couple of years for sure. And Andy, I'll let you get in there too, but I also want to 
kind of wiggle around different ways. And I asked the UCF guys this, as Dana Holgerson's being a former Power 5 head coach at West Virginia, how do you think that helps that transition for you guys also? Yeah, and that's absolutely a huge bonus, especially when you when you think back to, to he's already been there and he's done that. And I go back to uh, the spring practices and one of, I think it was the final media availability he had um, for the final spring practice they had open to, to reporters. And he, he talked about it. That's really when kind of the talks began to intensify that well, an agreement was going to get reached with the American Athletic Conference and they were going to be able to join the Big 12 by uh, their target, which was by July of 2023. And Dana Holgerson had been adamant throughout the process that, and, and not just Holgerson, uh, Kelvin Sampson as well, being a part of that, um, the history that he had at, obviously, of course, at Oklahoma, Indiana. Um, yeah, Oklahoma. Both of those coaches, they've done a good job of, yeah, just because Houston is joining the Big 12, that doesn't mean that, the work is done, and and I can't remember. I believe it's Kelvin Sampson that says it, um, but both of them had have kind of uh, paraphrased uh, more or less, and that's that the, the work is really beginning for Houston in that athletic department, um, and even just um, last week, the University of Houston athletics department announced that they were had launched a one hundred and fifty million dollar wow. fundraising uh, campaign just to uh, be able to catch up and try to upgrade a lot of these facilities. So. Uh, I'm not sure if, if, you know, for your listeners that they've made, been aware, but Houston is going to, um, they just had this past winter, I think it was February, they had a new football facility approved, um, which they're set to have it be completed by uh, 2024, I want to say, but um, that would essentially be, so right now the football facility, football program they have an indoor football facility where they can practice um on turf fields and all like that but this would be more of an essentially football only facility where um both the men's and women's basketball team have a facility like that currently they call it the guy B. lewis facility and obviously it's a space just for those programs to have by themselves and that hasn't been the case with football so they're they're really that's really what most of the fundraising money is going to be going to towards that building um which would one give obviously of course the football team a huge boost but kind of give more space to a lot of these other programs the olympic sports the ba- the baseball uh, program actually has its own facility as well but when you look at volleyball you look at softball you look at the track and field the swimming programs they, they kind of need more of those uh space to themselves which would clear it up a lot and and that's just a huge bonus because you know you have Samson, you have Hogerson who have been there and they're doing a really good job of being able to one navigate the the whole um, realignment once they join the Big 12, but also kind of know what they need to be competitive um, in the Big 12 once that comes. I and mean, Kelvin Sampson last week said that they're not joining the, the Big 12 just to be thankful that they were giving a spot in the conference. They want to compete, um, were his words, and, right. and those two coaches are the perfect candidates to be able to lead them because, like I said, they have been there before. Yeah, I- what is Houston's fans vibe with Dana? Cause he's a crazy person, right? He d- chugs Red Bulls. Is there going to be a huge gigantic fridge full of Red Bulls at this new football facility? <laughs> like do Houston fans love him or is it, is it just kind of depending on his success? hair always gets me. It's yeah. Just... His hair. He's, he's crazy. He's a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, up front from the, especially 2021, uh, I think they had gotten off to, to, to I want to say two and one start or three and one start, and then they they ended up losing uh, like four or three straight, and they had fallen under five hundred. 
the fan base seemed to be a little a little bit frustrated with the yeah. direction of the program. Um, but this past season, it, it kind of turned around, especially after the Texas Tech game. They, they really seem to embrace Dana Hogerson's quirkiness, especially when it comes to – there was a sign, and I can't remember what exactly it said, but it, it was a picture of Dana Hogerson's face and and Red Bull cans, and, and they, they certainly have embraced his personality, um, especially this past season. Um, there's, there's this funny picture of him that flows around and I don't know if you can find it and, and yeah. add it in, in some way where his hair is just all the way up and he, he seems to have a, a kind of a pouty face so um, I, I think the fan base has certainly embraced him and uh, for the good times and the bad times um, and honestly they're just looking forward they, they kind of believe in the yeah. blueprint that he's kind of shown the past uh, season and that he it seems like especially like Dayon mentioned with the, the staff that he's been able to put together and and now with the jump that Clayton Toon took um, from the first two seasons that were kind of iffy and, and the big jump that he had last season, that certainly instilled a lot of confidence in the fan base in, in Dana Holgerson. I always uh, joke that he looks like the before picture on those like Bosley commercials, those hair loss commercials. Like he always looks like the before, there's just no after. And I can say that because I, I have similar struggles, so... <laughs> Um, but so let's kind of move on to the Texas Tech aspect of this thing. Uh, Dayon, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, y'all kind of already consider us a rivalry. So what are what's the Houston fans' perspective of Texas Tech kind of from the outside looking in? And then as you come into this conference, kind of what do you expect from this, uh, from this you know, rivalry? Well, coming into it, definitely, I think Houston fans definitely consider Texas Tech a rivalry. And um, – I think they they expect to football for me. I'm gonna speak for myself. Um, just from the outside looking in, viewing Texas Tech and the success or lack thereof they've had in the Big Twelve. I think if Houston plans to be um, compete in the Big Twelve, I think they have to start by beating Texas Tech. There's no way the last couple of years um, you can come yeah. in and say you want to compete, but the and Texas Tech has beat you the last couple of years. And so, I mean, I think the rivalry's there. Um, I have a lot of frat brothers from Texas Tech. We talk a lot of trash to each other. So there, there, there's. I think it's a good relationship between the fans as far as just trash talking and, and common ground from being from Texas. And so, I mean, I, I'm very excited about it. I think fans are are really happy just to play other Texas schools routinely outside of SMU. So really, I think there's a, there's an excitement um, about it, more about the rivalries, not only with Texas Tech, but from TCU to Baylor. And just instead of playing the likes of Tulsa and the Tulane's of the world, no disrespect to those programs, but, I mean, there's not really much excitement there. Right, yeah. Andy, same question to you. Like, what are your thoughts on Texas Tech as y'all come into the Big 12 next year? Yeah, um, pretty much to add on to what Dayon said, I would say certainly going into the conference, if there was one team that you'd have to pick um, that would kind of be a true rivalry right off the gate, I think you'd probably have to put Texas Tech up there. Um, maybe Baylor, too, but just they haven't been able to play that much, especially not on the football field recently. So I think Texas Tech is certainly up there just in terms of the familiarity aspect. You know, we mentioned, obviously, football. They, they played um, – twice since 2018 they're going to play again this upcoming season 
Um, so yeah. that that right there is going to be the familiarity aspect of it. And even on the other sports, you know, just going with uh, men's basketball, they've, they've been, those have been two programs that have consistently been, um, you know, producing wins. And, and they the one game that they did play, even though it was in that COVID uh, season, um, it was a really competitive game that Houston was able to, to kind of edge out Tech at the end, and it would have been really fun if had both teams uh, ran into each other this this past season in the NCAA tournament. But I think Texas, Texas Tech has certainly got to be um, the top school when it's, you think of rivalries right out of the gates, just being, like Dayon said, that interstate rivalry and, and just the familiarity aspect to it. I, I will say, if I can add one more thing, with the basketball, yeah. I really love the direction what you guys have done first year with a new head coach, continue to succeed. So I will say, although Houston has had success, I will say Tech is probably one step above Houston, if I'm just being honest, as far as you look at their track record from um, Chris Beard until what they have um, with Mark Adams getting to a national title game. Houston hasn't done that. And so although Houston reached the Final Four of recent, but they haven't reached a national title game. And so that basketball program is definitely top tier i'm really excited about that matchup for sure yeah i just kind of want to stick here with basketball because it is the i think the best two programs from our schools right now are both basketball uh you know samson has that program as one of the best programs in the country over the last five years you know you made a final four run you are elite eight last year uh, we made our own final four run sweet 16 last year i think we we did a little breakdown of all the four new teams a couple weeks ago. Um, we had Houston kind of on the down end on football as excitement because we've played y'all a lot. But basketball, we are the most excited about that first time Houston comes to Lubbock and the USA is just going to be crazy. So, like, what is y'all's thoughts? And we'll just kind of get into the sports side of things here. How Do y'all think y'all are going to be able to compete for a, a basketball championship in the Big 12 right away? Uh, I obviously think y'all do. And what are some of the things that you think might be challenging here? From a uh, from all from the from basketball, the basketball perspective. specifically perspective, no, I agree. I absolutely think that right off the gates, just looking at what Calvin Sampson has has done the last couple of seasons, not the last couple of seasons, the last multiple years, um, last couple of seasons they've had deep runs in the NCAA tournament. They yeah. made the Sweet Sixteen uh, going back to to 2019. Each of those seasons, obviously excluding the COVID year. Um, the the program has just set a standard that, and now they're what you're starting to see with the recruiting class. Um, there's a lot of buzz this upcoming season. Obviously, of course, because Marcus Sasser um, chose to to return to the University of Houston. He had aspirations. He could have yeah. easily kept his name in the NBA draft, um, but he specifically came back because um, he turned it unfinished business. Their goal was to uh, try to win a national championship next season. But really, the the main buzz around this program is they're going to be finally their first five star recruit in in several years. And Jarvis Walker and, and really the buzz around him to see uh, what he's able to do under Calvin Sampson because for all the success that the men's basketball team has had that's one thing that they have yet to have and that's you know, one of these five-star players that uh, to be quite frank if all goes well he, he's only going to be here one year and he's going to be you know his right. goal is going to be a lottery yeah. pick next season <laughs> well and if okay, it doesn't work actually, out they just transfer now yeah so. <laughs> yeah that that's true but even then when you look at the the men's basketball team for houston you don't necessarily see a lot of players uh transfer out um especially this past season um you look at uh the year before they had a couple of players uh transfer out um 
uh, in Cam Tyson, and I can't remember if, if it was someone else, but you don't necessarily see, uh, you know, the the top-end players. If stuff doesn't work out, they kind of tend to stick it out. And even, and Dayon, I know you can add on to this, but, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, like look at a player like Kieran Powell who's been here for three years in the program. He hasn't really gotten a lot of minutes, and yet he's still committed to the program. He stayed. He hasn't transferred out, and yeah. that that's really rare. Like <laughs> yeah, <of> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think that speaks into the track record of Coach Sampson and his staff being able to develop. So they're trusting in what he's building and in the culture. But back to your original question, I think Houston will be able to come in and compete in the Big 12 for a Big 12 championship in basketball as soon as they enter. But I think the biggest challenge and the adjustment that they will have to make is the crowds. I don't think they've seen the crowds like they'll see at home from the Texas yeah. Tech and going to Kansas and going to Baylor. I think that'd be an adjustment but coach Sampson he has that experience he has um he knows what it takes and so I think he'll get his team ready but still from the players you have to be in those atmospheres to see what it's like I, I do think they'll be ready but I, I think there'll be an adjustment period in game and it's um it's a saying around that coach Kellen Sampson likes to say that the toughest teams always win and Houston's a very tough team but those crowds are going to be really really tough so I'm excited to see for me specifically to come to those some of those crowds and see them so that's one thing on my bucket list to travel to around the big 12 and see some of these um tough crowds yeah i think our basketball since we've been good the last handful of years basketball games are a lot more fun and intense than football games where you and in the leech era when we were really good just because yeah like you said we packed fourteen thousand people in there in red and black and it's crazy crazy loud and you know, if it's a good game or a conference in-state rival like that, it's even more. So and it doesn't matter if it's a weekday game, those students are still showing up, weekend game, it doesn't matter what time it is. Brooks drives in an hour for some of these conference games <laughs> to go to them in the middle of the week. Oh, yeah. Um, but I wanted to hit on that point a little bit, Dayon, of do you think the difficulty of the Big 12 Conference basketball-wise, because it's been one of the best conferences the last handful of years, the difficulty of that schedule is going to affect you guys because it's going to be a lot tougher than, you know, playing in the American. Um, you got to go on stretches of at Kansas, Baylor. You get a home game against another top 10 team and then at another top 20 team. Yeah. It's a rough, rough stretch of games. So what do y'all think – how do y'all think y'all can handle that? I mean, I, I got to give all praise to the coach, to to the head yeah. man. I mean, he's been there before. Uh, I think he's one of the best coaches in the nation. So – I have to trust that he'll have his team prepared. But like I just said, I think there will be an adjustment um, thing with the players because you will see top 10 players on a back-to-back week basis. You won't go on a stretch to where you play a Memphis team and then you play like a Tulane and a Tulsa. And so, I mean, no disrespect to them, but they're no Texas Tech. They're no Kansas. They're they're no even TCU who's on an uprise on the basketball. And so – and, and, and Baylor, who who I just didn't mention, and so I think there'll be an adjustment period. But Coach Sampson is he, he's not going to sugarcoat um, things with his players. I think he's going to make sure that they're ready. And he's going to challenge them in practice, and so I think he'll have them ready. But I, I it's going to be tougher than Houston fans think. I think they will drop more games than accustomed than they will in the American as far as conference play. But I I think overall I think they'll be ready to compete. 
No, Dayon hit all the points, and that's I, I certainly yeah. agree in terms of an adjustment yeah. period, um, especially when when you look at crowds. Um, and, and kudos to to the American Athletic Conference in some aspects when you know you have to go on the road at SMU, at Memphis, at Cincinnati. Those those crowds can get rowdy, but then at the same time you turn around, you have to play in East Carolina, you have to play in USF, right. and and I mean to be quite frank, uh, sometimes they're playing in in mostly empty gyms, and that's like. That's gonna be. That's not gonna be the case once the Big Twelve rolls around. Um, it's gonna be rowdy every night, and it's only gonna be in an adjustment period. But I think um, just when you look at the track record in the past, and obviously, of course, it's much shorter samples. But Houston has shown that they can hang with these pro, can hang with these programs, and they can play in those atmospheres. Yeah. Just the first game that pops out of my head last season was at Alabama, where that crowd was really, really ruckus, and Houston had a chance to win it right there in the final possession. And obviously, of course, when you look at Big 12 specific schools, well, obviously, of course, they played Texas Tech um, within the past two seasons. They played Oklahoma State last year, and they showed that they can have success against those schools. Um, and it'll be interesting. I think the the when you look at a, the men's basketball perspective, the two matchups that that UH fans really probably have circled one has got to be Baylor, just because of how that Final Four game went. Um, right. And. No, yeah. um, you know, obviously, of course, yeah. that that has the opportunity to to grow into a much deeper rivalry just with the success that 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 program has been able to establish um, over the course of the seasons. But then, one obviously, of course, you got to you know, Kansas has got to be at the top there with men's basketball just because of you know yeah. you mentioned the crowds. Oh, yeah. That's that's a bucket list for everyone that's at the University of Houston that follows Houston to experience a basketball game in that stadium. How crazy yep. it is! And then obviously, of course, um, Kansas coming off a national championship. That's that's going to be one of those venues that that is going to be on the bucket list for sure. Yeah, I got to go a couple years ago. Um, the the season that was ended by COVID by COVID. I got to go up to a game there. It's just if you're a basketball fan, you have to go. You have to go see a game there. It's nuts. So, kind of while we're talking about other Big Twelve teams here, um, and, and other, let's try to get into some other sports and uh, some things that we don't necessarily know. We know Houston, y'all expect to come in and compete, like football wise and basketball wise. But what are some of the other sports that? we're maybe not so familiar with you know baseball softball I don't know what other sports y'all all are bringing over to the Big 12 but some other sports that y'all are expecting to be able to compete for Big 12 championships in right away I know like UCF came in there they were a really good softball team and really good with some women's sports so uh, kind of teach us some of the other sports that Houston is thriving in yeah, uh, I think right off the, the bat, the two programs that come to mind are going to be the track and field uh, programs and the swimming and diving programs just because of how dominant they've been in the American Athletic Conference. I think the swimming and diving team, they've won the American Athletic Conference championship for like, um, and I don't want to shorthand them, but I think they've won right. it for five years straight, and it might have been six. And um, so they've literally established a dynasty in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. Um, so I think they're ready, certainly, to, to have a jump and, and face uh, a much, obviously, of course, a clear-cut, much better uh, competition. When you look at the track and field team, obviously, it's going to be a huge loss now that they just lost their, their head coach and Leroy Burrell, who went to Auburn. Um, but they're still going to have a, a good staff um, just in terms of who they still have 
back. Carl Lewis, he said he doesn't have aspirations to be the head coach, but he's still going to be with the program. And Derek, and they've established a level of success where, similar to the swimming and diving team, they're consistently um, competing in the, the American Athletic Conference championships and sending multiple athletes over to um, compete in the NCAA national tournament. Not, not the national tournaments, the national competitions. Right. I yeah. think those two programs have are going to be ready for that jump I think um and I know we've talked about it a lot but I think the football team is one program that's kind of wait and see um obviously they had a great year um this past season 12 and 2 they capped it off with a win in in uh, the Birmingham Bowl against uh, Auburn as well and uh, they didn't they held their own for a little bit against Cincinnati in that conference championship game um the second half was a completely different story, but they've showed right. that they're on the right track, and I think it's certainly going to be um, crucial for the football team to not only build on that success and prove that it wasn't necessarily a one-year um, you know, fluke, but that they're building something and that they're ready to compete. That's a, that's a program where you're kind of like wait and see. And Dayon, I'll ask you kind of the opposite question here. What are some sports that you think might be a struggle for the start uh, of Houston joining the Big 12 Conference? Some of the sports that might <laughs> might not go so smooth. Uh, I think for one jumps off the back, I think softball will struggle. Um, they haven't had as much success of recent or really of any. So I, I think that's one that baseball had their best season in, in quite a while. So maybe they try to ride the wave and get some recruits and turn things around. But I think those two and also the women's basketball team, I think this year is a huge year for them to see if they can. They have the talent. It's just about putting it together and really having success. I mean, you have the talent, there's really no excuse in, but you look at the likes of Baylor, Iowa State, who are the the top two women's basketball teams in the Big 12, and then there's no pushovers. I mean, they're incredibly better than the team that they face in the American. So I think on the women's side, the softball, uh, baseball, and also women's basketball, the teams who kind of use the words Andy said, I think it's a waiting approach to see. I think the talent is there on the women's side to compete. They played Baylor last year in which they competed in the first half, but they had the number one overall um, pick, Alyssa Smith, who, who really dominated that game. But their best player, Layla Blair, had a career-high 28 points, and she was only a sophomore. And so um, I think the women's basketball team is one that I can't wait to see how they fare, and not only this upcoming season, but when they go into the Big 12. But uh, um, like their football and basketball with recruiting, I think it'll help them as well because they can pitch like, hey, we're in the Big 12 now and so much talent in Texas. Now you can stay home and you can play in a Power 5 conference. And, and one one quick thing I wanted to add, going back to the swimming and diving team, I didn't want to shortchange them. They've won the American Athletic Conference championship for the past six years, um, so they're they're ready. They're ready to uh, make a jump. All right, so Andy, you mentioned Kansas basketball being a you know kind of hot topic to play go to. What are some other Big Twelve teams and sports that you're looking forward to? And also, either some that you could care less about. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first programs that, that you know, kind of come to the top of the list, especially, um, it looks like it's 
they're going to be sticking around for at least one year when once all Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and, and BYU join the Big 12, and that's obviously, of course, Texas and OU, um, especially from a Houston perspective. The University of Houston, as always, um, they haven't, going back to the Southwest Conference days, that rivalry with Texas has, has always been one that, even though they haven't played really in, in years, no matter what, these, these Houston fans, they could not root against Texas any much harder. I mean, going back to um, last season or, or the year before when Texas lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, they they couldn't have been happier with that anytime Texas felt. When Texas lost um, to Kansas in football this past season, um, they were as happy as could be. Um, obviously, of course, regardless of whether you know, if they are for one season at least, if Houston and football has to play in Austin or if they have to come down here, that's going to be a game that you're going to have circled on your calendar just because, one, it's not going to happen often. It doesn't happen often. And, two, um, the rivalry is already there, and it hasn't cooled off, even though these two programs haven't really seen each other um, within the last few years. I think those obviously are at the top of the list. Now, once uh, both OU and and Texas go on their way to the SEC, I think, obviously, of course, um, Baylor's got to be on the top of the list, both in in all sports. I don't know. They haven't really played in football uh, much, but going back to the COVID year, 2020 season, they were supposed to play non conference and you know less than 24 hours before the kickoff was supposed to start Baylor has to call off the game because of COVID issues and and Dana Hogerson and the football staff they were not happy oh, about I remember it this. And Dana Hogerson went on Twitter and um I think yeah I, I can't remember exactly what it tweeted what he tweeted but I think he said we're ready we're we're want to play someone against Baylor and then you know, obviously of course fast forward a couple months the two schools are playing in, in the final four and Dana Hogerson still says we wanted to play Baylor <laughs> back in September and we're ready to play him here in April um, so that obviously of course that has a potential to kind of explode into a rivalry that, that it's kind of been dormant obviously of course going back to the Southwest Conference days the rivalry is there um, but they, it hasn't really been you know as active just because they haven't played as much um, and obviously, of course, some an interesting perspective from the football uh, perspective will be West Virginia. Obviously, of course, with the history of Dana Holgerson, when whenever he has to go back and then play there, um, I think when you kind of turn it around and you look at some of the schools that really you couldn't care much about. Um, and this is going to sound so mean the way you phrase it, but I think Kansas State is the, the school you kind of put up there just because, um, uh, you know, I, I feel like, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, since you guys have more experience, you know, covering a Big 12 team, but uh, Kansas State, at least from an outside perspective, kind of seems to be a forgotten team a lot of times. They're like, oh, yeah, I forgot they were in the Big 12. No, yeah, you're, you're right on that. It, it's not a team that you get super excited about when they're coming to town. Like, maybe in those you know, years where they're really, really good at basketball or what the Colin Klein years of football, mm-hmm. they were exciting. But for the most part, they're kind of one of the teams totally. that's like, oh, it's Kansas State week. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll just tailgate <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> what, you know, have some fun. Um, but, yeah, you're definitely right on that. <laughs> uh, day on you. You got some anything to add on to the teams you're excited for and teams you're uh, not so excited for the teams I'm excited for. I'm excited um, for TCU. I'm excited to see TCU, um, both football and basketball. I, I think they're going to take um, another steps. Basketball, they took one last season. I expect them to take another one. They have a really good head coach, Jamie Dixon. I remember from his days at Pitt when he had those really good basketball teams. And so, football, they just got SMU coach. He's going over to TCU and. 
He was a high school coach at Texas. I think he's he's going to do a um, good job at, there. But another team that I, I'm not really excited to see is Iowa State. I mean, football, they've had some success. They've, they've been okay. But in basketball, not so really. So I would have to put Iowa State in that. I, I really don't think Texas and Oklahoma will be in the Big 12 by the time we get there. So I'm not even going to mention them. I think they're going to be gone. But um, – also, West Virginia. I want to see West Virginia. Bob Huggins is going to Hall of Fame coach. Um, I, I want to see them specifically in basketball. I know they had a down year, but he's routinely a good coach and have his team really competitive. And so I can't wait to see that Bob Huggins, Kelvin Simpson matchup. That's another um, matchup that I'm excited to see specifically in basketball. Yeah, I think the Big 12 basketball, like the coaches are really good, but also you have so many personalities. A lot of people will watch like, we like when West Virginia comes to town because Bob Huggins is so – he's hilarious oh, yeah. to watch on the sidelines. He has his own personal stool, and he just sits like this a lot. And, and I'll tell you this, you mentioned Jamie Dixon. you got to watch out for him because he likes to be a sixth player on the court a lot of the time. He doesn't like to be on the bench. He likes to literally be a couple feet onto the playing surface. So you got to really watch out for that when y'all get TCU in watch town. Watch your ankles. Uh, tell your players to watch their ankles. <laughs> it pisses us off so bad. <laughs> so we've we've kind of, we've kind of talked about some rivalries, like obviously Houston Texas Tech sets up to be one of those future uh, Big Twelve rivalries that I think will be pretty good. Y'all mentioned Baylor, so uh, you know, kind of besides Tech and besides Baylor, Andy, are there any other teams that you could see good? future rivalries with in the future Big 12, you know, if, if you want to include the new four teams coming in or any of the other existing Big 12 teams that you think uh, might be a solid rivalry for you guys. Mm, and this would be like across, you know, multiple sports characters. Is there one uh, in particular? Yeah, just one that fuels that hatred, like no matter mm -hmm. what you're playing against them, baseball, basketball, football, that you're just like, you know, screw these guys. Yeah, I think uh, one rivalry that, that could certainly carry over um, from the American Athletic Conference is certainly going to have to be Cincinnati, um, yeah. just with the history across um, yeah. all the sports that that programs have had. I mean, for the longest, uh, when especially going to, to the men's basketball perspective, when um, Houston was kind of on the rise up and coming, um, it, it even this past year, it always seems like Cincinnati and Houston are meeting in the conference championship tournament. And um, I know Houston have gotten has gotten the better of Cincinnati the last couple of seasons, but before that, it was the other way around. Where especially having to play at Fifth Thirds Arena in Cincinnati, that that crowd is one of the crowds that is always crazy. Um, whether it be in football, whether it be in basketball, they certainly they're ready for it to be a Power Five school. And right. the obviously, of course, the history is there. That's certainly going to be a, a program that I I'm pretty sure that the, the rivalry is going to carry over just because of the I know the men's basketball team has kind of taken a dip the, the last season but they're right. kind of in a bit of a, a re, rebuilding phase just retooling but I'm confident that they're built back up there and obviously of course football um, they're just coming off the college football playoff they'll probably yeah. are expected to be obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna be expected to reach that level again this upcoming season but um, keeping Luke Fickle that's gonna be a program that's that's not they're not going anywhere um, I'm interested to see how BYU turns out because um, similar to Texas Tech, they're one of these schools that Houston has had a bit of history, recent history, and um, just going back to, um, I believe this was in 2019, November of 2019, when the men's basketball team played Houston. Um, it was actually in Houston at the Fertitta Center, and um, I can't remember the name of the player, and 
I believe it was TJ Hawes, but I can't remember if that's exactly his name, but I remember he dribbled right, shot a, a fadeaway jumper over the ostrich hands. I believe it was Quentin Grimes, and he beat Houston at the buzzer, and on the road after Tita Center, he left uh, the crowd stunned, and then obviously the the following year, 2020, they meet in in football, and that's uh, Zach Wilson coming into town. Like I mentioned, oh, yeah. the, the BYU fans traveled like crazy in that game. Um, uh, to be honest, probably because that was going to be one of the the rare chances they had to see their football you know team right. live, just because of how crazy crazy the attendance uh, restrictions were during that that season. But uh, honestly, it was a very similar game to the Texas Tech game. Uh, where Houston kind of jumped out early. The defense did a really good job of kind of holding Zach Wilson in check, and, and then they just couldn't stop him. The floodgates open. Um, I think that's going to be another program that's certainly um, worth keeping an eye on because of the history, that the recent history they've had. Dayon, you got any other possibilities with the rivalries that you want to shout out? Um, I've mentioned TCU, but I, I think Andy hit it right on the head. Yeah. Um, I think BYU and Cincinnati. I would even throw Oklahoma State in there a little bit. I think there's some bitterness because they were one of the teams who kept Houston from coming into the Big 12 a couple of years ago. And so um, I think fans are going to be excited um, about that Oklahoma State as well. So I, I have to throw, it in there, throw them in there as well. Okay. So sticking with these new Big 12 teams and cities, what are some of the top like Big 12 cities you might want to travel to for a game that might be fun for you? Ooh, I, I know we mentioned Kansas. Yeah, Kansas basketball's um, got to be up there. Yeah, that's definitely up there. But um, Waco, of course. But I want to go outside of Texas. I, I, I want to go see hmm, – where do I want to go? That's a good question. It's tough because all these places are kind of hard right, to get right, to. Right, right, <laughs> Easiest place to get to would be Lubbock, obviously. You can take a quick flight. You don't want to take that nine-hour yeah, drive. Direct. I've done that before. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely Lubbock. I definitely have. To. I've been down there once, but never for a sporting event. Definitely want to get down there. But I'm really excited. Oklahoma State. I've been down to Stillwater for a women's basketball game. I haven't been for a men's basketball game or a football game. I see on TV how to have the paddles hitting the stands. Mm-hmm. So I, they seem like that would be excitement. They're definitely on my list. Um, man, I, I just want to see the Big 12. I want to see the excitement, the difference between yeah. the American and the Big 12. So I, I want to, if I can, I, I'll go to all. all I want to travel them all and see them all, man. No, um, yeah, obviously I want to go to Provo and go see B. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) You're not going to hear that often. Um, Just in terms of, yeah, I think obviously the big thing that's circled has got to be Allen Fieldhouse and and just be that atmosphere. Um, When you look at the football perspective, um, not to sound like a broken record, but I think, you know, being able to go to Waco and, and playing Baylor, playing TCU, those are the the games you're circled. Even going up to Oklahoma State and playing – you know, the Cowboys, uh, I know Dayon mentioned it, that that's one that has the potential to be a good rivalry, but um, they, they, I mean, just look at what they were able to do this past season in football. They're, they're on the come up. Um, their basketball team had a, had a down year, but um, in the past, I mean, they, they've been able to produce not only wins, but I mean, look, they, they ended up, um, you know, um, I want to go back to uh, 2019 when they played Houston. They were one of the other teams that came into Fertitta Center and beat Houston, so the they have history as well. So yeah. I think you've got to add Oklahoma State to that list. So to follow up with that, Andy, what's the tailgate scene like 
at U of H and are they, are they ready to move up? Is the tailgate scene ready to move up to the big 12? Yeah, um, tailgate talks after all. So, <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, you can uh, add on to this, but I, I certainly think that the tailgating scene at Houston needs to upgrade just like uh, the rest of the facilities need to do. Um, and albeit there, I'm not going to say the tailgating scene is terrible because the, certainly the Alumni Association does a good job of, of creating events and having, um, especially for football games, they have like their own uh, section where people can go in, they have uh, drinks, they have food, they have a good space um, for people just to hang out before the games. I can't remember exactly when, when it starts, but um, there's, there's especially when it's like an afternoon game, there's people all, you know, going from the morning, staying up, leading up to the game. Uh, walking off to the game there's always um, obviously of course the college students freaking uh, chugging beers right. right before going in and then it, it certainly is a party atmosphere but I think it's not at the level yet when you think of a lot of these big 12 schools yet a lot of it has to do honestly with space just in terms of where TDCU stadium is um, they have this giant parking lot right next to the stadium which is about the only parking space it has and everything else is kind of um, really cut off by uh, a couple of roads that are there so um, there's a little plaza where they can start building around and it, it looks like they have the plans um, where they're building that um, football specific facility to kind of convert that plaza into a space where people can um, kind of tailgate and stuff but I, I think similar to the facilities they have to, to upgrade and, and to their credit um, a lot of these tailgate um, kind of the people that are in charge the organizations that are in charge of tailgates have certainly uh, kind of acknowledge it and are looking to, to improve the tailgating scene for, for football games yeah I second everything Andy said I, I think they need to upgrade um, the tailgating I've been to other schools even smaller schools and like Texas State their tailgating in my opinion is um, a different experience than Houston I'm not going to say better but it was a definitely a different experience than Houston and um, I mean, it, you really only get alumni and and um, students there tailgating. And so I think this goes back into our, our point earlier about Houston fans kind of being fickle and, and not really just coming out. And so I, um, maybe they get more excited and they tailgate more. The biggest tailgate that you have is homecoming. And I'm sure that's year-round for all schools. But um, from what I hear from other Big 12 schools, it's not – to equal as homecoming, but all I wouldn't say to almost to the capacity, but fair share of a good amount of tailgating and a good experience at tailgating versus Houston. It's, I mean, it's, it's just okay if I'm being honest. I, I think they definitely have to upgrade in tailgating as well because that's part of the experience, especially with recruits. You want to come in, you want to see the tailgating, all that plays into the factor. And so I think um, Holgerson and the entire administration, everybody was aware of it. Like Andy said, they're they're planning to make that experience even better, but it definitely needs to be better for sure. All right, well, I'm going to kind of hand this over to you guys. Do you guys have any questions for us about Texas Tech football, basketball, tailgate scene, anything you kind of want, or if you want to save it for y'all's podcast, we're going to come on and jump on with these guys, you know, in a, f a few weeks. So, um, Andy, I'll hand it over to you, man. Do you have anything for us? No, yeah, I, I dubbed it whenever you guys initially reached out. We're doing a home and home, so we're yeah. here first. You guys will, you guys will come to our show later. Um, but no, I guess the, the really the the main question I wanted to ask you guys is just what were your guys' initial thoughts and and kind of what's the perspective of you know 
obviously, of course, Houston mainly where it pertains to us, but kind of these other schools that are going to be joining, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, do you feel like, um, obviously, of course, losing Texas and, and Oklahoma, that these four schools coming in will be able to provide, obviously not that the the level of brand recognition that, that Texas and OU have, but kind of more of a well-rounded group. What, what are your thoughts on, on those schools? I think Houston in particular is the most ready school joining and – I'm excited about that because, like, we talked to UCF guys last week who said football is ready, but they sound super nervous and scared about basketball. And they said they're going to get their ass kicked for a little bit. You guys are going to come in the two most major sports and be yeah. competitive right away. And so I think that's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's kind of cool geographically how we're going to start to be very widespread. Um, I know usually it's a regional type thing, but Houston also being – super big city um, in South Texas helps out as well. Uh, but I think it's exciting adding, adding these four teams to the conference. Yeah, I agree. And while Texas and Oklahoma, like we don't have a school to really carry the weight that they had for the yeah. conference, you know, like the brands, like you said, the recognition of them, uh, that that is a lot of the Big 12 conference. But also like Texas has really held the Big 12 conference back when you look at like we could have had – a Big 12 network, but instead they had a Longhorn network, um, and that was the reason A&M and Nebraska and Colorado and Missouri and all those schools left and stuck us with 10 schools, and then they didn't want to add on to it. And so uh, for us just kind of getting out of their shadow, I feel like is going to be exciting. Like I'm ready to not have to deal with all the repercussions that they cause. And so that's nice. And then I think we did a good job of picking the four teams. I think like Houston's felt like y'all should have been in the Big 12 Conference several years ago. Um, same with some of these other schools. Feels like they should have been upgraded into a Power 5 Conference for a while now. So I feel like we're adding by subtracting in a way. And we're kind of waiting to see who's going to take you know, the weight of the conference and what rivalries are going to propel the Big 12. and. You know, we got a new commissioner coming in. Hopefully he can make the right decisions to lead our conference in the right direction over these next few years. But I think it's exciting times. It's nice to have some new blood in the conference. It's nice to have some new teams that are going to be coming to town, some new fan bases to interact with and deal with. And ultimately, I think they made the right call in getting you four guys uh, up into the conference. And so I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about getting out of the shadow of Texas and just kind of seeing what the Big 12 has in store over the next few years. So it's all exciting for us, I think. Kind of a two-part question for me. Do you think with those two schools exiting, it'll be more parity in football and basketball, as well as um, my second question would be about the football program. What are your thoughts about the football program, the new hire, and the direction and that – that it's heading. I know it, you really don't know yet because you, the coach kind of just got there, but yeah. well, what's the kind of the vibes around the new hire and um, the kind of the culture and what he's trying to build? Yeah, so parity is going to be like, uh, hopefully college basketball parity stays the same. Uh, like Kansas has been obviously like conference champion about 16 out of the last 17 years. So, uh, <laughs> but I think we're adding in some pretty good teams like you guys. And so hopefully maybe that spreads the wealth a little bit more. Uh, football definitely is going to be a lot more parity, I think, in the conference because Oklahoma has been kind of the dominant program in in the conference. So you lose that, 
and now it's just kind of who wants to take the crown, right? Oklahoma State and Baylor have been your best two programs besides Oklahoma. Uh, Iowa State had their chance, um, but you know they're they're a big question mark. But you know Tech, we we're really excited. Uh, I think we got it. I think we got the guy, Joey McGuire. There's a lot of excitement around him. He's actually recruiting. We're actually getting high school recruits for once. <laughs> it's really nice <laughs> to see us top 10 in our 2023 class. Like that's stuff we never had with Cliff. We never had with Matt Wells. And so it's exciting times. Like you, I'm finally optimistic for the first time in about a decade. It's just been down, 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 down for us. And so for the first time, it feels like there might be a light at the end of this tunnel that success can finally be coming our way. Can we get these young players, develop them, turn them into really good players, start winning some conference games? Um, so our excitement for the football program, I think, is probably at the highest it's been since maybe when we hired Cliff. Uh, Dustin, anything you want to add on there? Yeah, I totally agree. The football parity should become a lot better because Oklahoma's kind of dominated that for a while in Texas here and there. Um, but basketball, I think it gets even harder yeah, adding you, you, you four teams. Uh, I know UCS said they're not quite ready yet, but the other three teams, or at least you guys, even Cincinnati, like y'all are probably up above what Oklahoma and Texas were providing for the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. Like I think it stays at least the same. If not, it gets even tougher. Uh, that's exactly what we need in this basketball conference. Right. Like, oh, sure, make the schedule even harder <laughs> than it already is. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joey McGuire looks like a slam dunk hire before he's even coached the game. I'm also even uh, more excited, I think, about the offense and Zach Kitley, the offensive coordinator hire, who you guys maybe have heard that name and be familiar. He was OC at Houston Baptist two or three years ago. Um, he was here previously with Cliff. With you guys with Bailey Zappi um, and that crew, y'all gave up. They gave us a, a hell of a game. Yeah, they almost like beat us. Opening <laughs> game two years ago, uh, and then he went to Western Kentucky and crushed it up there again. So I'm really excited about McGuire bringing the energy and the recruits and the accountability across his staff, and how many points Zach Kitley wants to score with this offense uh, is really exciting. They have shirts that the coaching offensive coaching staff wears. A lot of times to say 50 burger because he wants to score 50 points every game. <laughs> yeah, and just to add on to our excitement, we haven't been season ticket holders in a while because it's kind of been a waste of money, but we're back yeah. in on the season tickets. That's how excited we are for Joey McGuire to write the ship, hopefully. <laughs> Y'all got any other questions or? Oh, I had one more. What's up with Houston always stealing our transfers lately? Yeah. Like, you got Kyler. Kyler Edwards last year. You got Malik Wilson from basketball this year. You got Tajon Henry from football last year. Like, what's Keyshawn the deal? Carter. Keyshawn Carter, yeah. yeah. What's it, it's, um, I don't know. That pipeline is there. Pipeline. Um, it, it, it's, it's um, you know, you guys introduce them to the college world and then we take them and and uh find a role i don't know it, it's kind of it's just interesting that kind of shows what the the college world is um you know just in general where with players and athletes transferring in and out um but it, it'll be interesting to see if that changes now um in the big 12 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'd be funny if you know 
you have all these Big 12 transfers going over to different Big 12 yeah. uh, schools. So, um, I don't know. It's just a funny coincidence. Yeah. Day on, uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? Nah, I think it's just a coincidence. Uh, I think Tajon Henry, being from Houston, that played a factor. Right, right. And, um, Kyla Evers was recruited by Kellen Sampson, so that kind of played a factor. And so, I don't know. I think it's kind of a coincidence. But I am interested. Y'all did lose a really good player who I really liked in Shannon. In the basketball side, man, I really like that kid. What are you guys thinking about the basketballs for us? Um, the players you lost, you also lost um, McCuller. McCull- I forgot how you pronounce his name. He went to Kansas. Yeah, that one hurt. So, yeah, that one hurt. We'll start, we'll start with McCuller and get the bad one out of the way first because that's a really sore subject because he went in conference to a rival um, and Kind of rubbed a lot of the Red Raiders the wrong way because he was coming up on his last year. I mean, same with TJ Shannon. But the fact that he went to a rival and kind of contradicting himself with what he wanted to do here last year, like role in his role, um, it kind of seems to me personally like he's just kind of going to jump on a team so he doesn't have to do as much and can be the third or fourth guy and doesn't have to be the one or two and then create that mismatch. And he's going to look way better as – the fourth option up there and, you know, matching up against, you know, whoever's their plans, third or fourth option rather than their first or second best defender. Yeah. He's he stung a little bit, especially cause we just lost, you know, we lost Chris Beard for that. And he's, he stuck around and he was like the, you know, the, the guy who stayed right him and TJ. And then of course they're both gone now. So his stung TJ felt like, like he wasn't going to get any better at Texas tech. Like, he's kind of plateaued here, and yeah. so he needed to go to another school to kind of maybe propel him to his, you know, hopeful NBA dreams of getting drafted, and it just felt like he couldn't really do more here, and so he needed to go to another school. Uh, from all things that I've heard is that he really did want to stay, uh, but ultimately I think Illinois was a good fit for him offensively, and so, um, you know, for him, I wish him nothing but the best for McCuller. I dearly hope we beat their ass <laughs> two times. <laughs> yeah. And I think it helps Tech. Like, I know those two guys transferred, but we brought in a lot of good transfers. And yeah. I think we have a really good history with Mark Adams and, and as Texas Tech with bringing in transfers and letting them flourish. I mean, we had that, you know, final four run with uh, Tariq Owens and Matt Mooney coming in, in. And every year we've just cycled in new guys, you know, Adonis Arms, like on Brooks' shirt there, comes in and and flourishes and now gets picked up and yeah. um, goes to the Denver Nuggets for their summer league. So I think we've done really well with – even if we lose guys, we reload really well. Well, we've enjoyed our time with y'all. Let's uh, – Andy, let you kind of shout out everything on y'all's podcast where people can find y'all. Uh, if y'all need a Houston podcast to follow – uh, go follow these guys. So, Andy, shout out all y'all stuff. For sure. First, uh, I wanted to thank the both of y'all for, for welcoming us and, and giving us a platform to be able to yeah, talk um, really all things UH and Texas Tech and kind of the Big 12 as a whole. Right. And this was a, a really fun time. I mean, it, it's kind of flown by. Um, so thank you guys for, for this time. And, and in, in terms of us, where you can find us, obviously it's at Pod Slam and Jam on Twitter. That's P-A-W-D. 
S L A M A J A M A. Uh, a bit of a long, um, but it's obviously, of course, it's an homage to the old Five Slam Jamma teams in the '80s um, with the basketball team. So, um, and also be sure to check us out on YouTube. That's a different channel. That's Clutch City Control Room on YouTube, where you can find our video podcast and. Um, especially now heading towards the fall and into the winter you'll also be able to find um media availabilities of dana holgerson calvin sampson um stuff like that so be sure to check out that's clutch city control room on youtube obviously of course be sure to follow us on twitter you can follow me on twitter as you see it on the screen at aon is underscore five you can follow Dayon at his at like you can see it on the screen at Dayon dunlap so once again thank you for your guys' time yeah, appreciate y'all taking the time out of your Tuesday night to join us and teach us everything we needed to know about Houston as y'all are set to join the conference next year. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good night. Thank you, guys. You too, guys. Well, moving on to some other Big 12 Texas Tech-related topics that we wanted to touch on this week. Dustin, uh, looks like we have a new Big 12 commissioner. Uh, looks like Brett Yormack, former COO of Rock Nation, is going to be named to that position. Uh, did you see, was it f- officially announced, or I had seen that he was the leading candidate? That right. The I don't think it's official official him. yet, but I haven't seen anything to say that he's also not interested or it's not going to happen kind of deal. So I think they're just kind of working out some <clears throat> formalities yeah, so Big 12 kind of going out of the box here with this hire. So your kind of thoughts on this. We we didn't really dive into the Big 12 commissioner position, but it's definitely something that is important as we head into uh, new waters with this conference. Uh, Bowlesby was garbage, as every Big 12 fan yep. knows. And so uh, just your thoughts on this hire and kind of what you're expecting out of Mr. Yormack. Yeah, obviously, like you said, Bowlesby was kind of garbage. He only cared about Oklahoma and Texas. And then yep. as soon as they were out the door, he was out the door. So I don't think we really care that we got to replace him. So I think that's good for the rest of us. Um, yeah, Brett Yormack, he's not your, you know, athletic director type from one of these schools or like a GM or whatever. He's former COO of Jay-Z's Rock Nation for the last handful few years. Um, and worked with the Brooklyn Nets before that. So you kind of get a little more business-like and professionalism out of it rather than like staying in college which is still very huge business. I mean, Kirby Hocutt is an athletic director on the business side of things, you know. But I think it's really good to bring in somebody that's not super college if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, has their has their mind more globally, um, nationally, um, kind of business like in that sense. So I think that really helps. Um, and he has been around teams before. Like I said, he was around the Nets for like five years um, previously too. So really good. I think it's a really good hire. And the other big thing, why this hire is so important within the next three years, you have a lot of big things happening for the Big Twelve Conference. You have two teams leaving. You have four teams coming in, and in like two or three years, you got to get a new TV deal done, and that's obviously where the big, big, big money comes, and why the Big Ten and the SEC are making so much more than the rest of us, because they have better TV deals, which goes to every school, which helps your recruiting, and just snowballs from there, so hopefully he can 
formulate and you know get the Big 12 on the right track with the departure and entrance of these new teams. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an interesting hire for sure, and I hope he's able to come in and, and do some good things. But you're getting him and his ability to negotiate deals. That TV right, contract right. is absolutely huge. And the advantage I think that we have now is there's so many more options in the TV landscape than sure. there was to the prior deal that was negotiated how many ever years ago. There's Apple, there's Amazon, there's all these other uh, services that are trying to get into the sports game. Yeah. And so I think it's a real opportune time to have somebody who is kind of in that business be able to come in and try to get some deals done for us and set you up for the future. That's, I think that's the big biggest thing on his plate is can he come in, negotiate us deals, and get us to where the new Big 12, once Texas and Oklahoma are gone, have us set up for that. And so to have somebody who's an outside thinker um, but is obviously like he doesn't need to do this job. Right. You know, so uh, so the fact that he's willing to take it on makes me think that he's looking for a new challenge. And I think that's makes it interesting. And hopefully he's able to lead us into the future and and get things for the Big 12 off on the right foot. Once you lose the two major uh, weights of the conference and so. something else with that, I'm just looking at over Sports Illustrated's article about him and the position is uh those two schools departing he's got to kind of also manage that like they're kind of wanting to leave early how much money's involved how's that going to be paid over how many like how many years like he's got to deal with that immediately also yeah so yeah it's not the typical commissioner job that you're coming in and you're just taking over like the pac-12 kind of did something similar to this but that, that was really just maintaining the conference he's got to come in to a conference that's you know landscapes going to be changing drastically over the next few years so that's definitely a challenging job and hopefully he is the one to get us through that get us into green pastures and set the big 12 up with a bright future Uh, so looking forward to that some other news we got to discuss is the nba draft was last week and dustin we didn't have any texas tech red raiders drafted but that's okay bryson williams and adonis arms uh, will both be getting their opportunity this summer to show out for uh, Bryson Williams gets to show out for the Miami Heat, Adonis Arms for the Denver Nuggets. And if you ask me, it's two pretty good organizations uh, to get a shot with. If you're Bryson Williams, totally. go to the Miami Heat, who are known for taking uh, undrafted players, second-round players, and turning them into valuable NBA assets. Right. Kind of similar with the Nuggets. They've they've done some very similar things. I mean, the back-to-back MVP was a second-round draft pick yeah. uh, who was announced during a Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> so uh, cool opportunities for these guys. What did you think about them not getting drafted and these opportunities that are ahead of them? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that they didn't get drafted. I mean, we always talk about the numbers of the draft. I mean, there's only two rounds, and then you had two picks gone. So you only had, what, 58 picks or 60 picks? Yeah. And you got to think – 10 to 15 of those are going international. But also, these are two older guys, and so that mm-hmm. kind of hurts their draft status because they're not as big of prospects because, you know, they're not your yeah. your freshman or sophomore, 18, 19, 20-year-old. That has they're not that typical old that you see. They're, they've been in college for like five years because right. of COVID. So and been, so they're, yeah. we know the kind of basketball players they are and can be, but also losing those years to college and not being in the NBA – 
room and weight room and all that stuff, you know, that's how they look at these drafts and upside is the whole thing. Um, but I'm glad they got picked up. They got picked up fairly easy and fast after the draft. Um, that was almost more fun to watch than the actual draft was is the 10 minutes afterwards is this player's going here, this player's going here and boom, 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 boom. And so that was pretty cool to see. I think both of them have a good chance to, you know, at least make the G League roster and, and hang yeah. around for a while to develop some more. I mean, you've seen Adonis, as his college career has gone, he's only gone up every place he's been. And, you know, maybe he's a late bloomer. And I think that's a great thing if he's still improving at this age, and even though he's in college, like, to keep going up. So I think there's some still some untapped talent with him. And we know what Bryson can do. He's a good shooter. So that makes him – as a big man, nice for the NBA. That's what they want now is your four and five to be able to step back and shoot threes pretty comfortably. And he was our best three-point shooter last year. So he should do well um, over there. And so, yeah, it's exciting for them. And then I also saw today Mac McClung's back in the summer league. So yeah. be on the lookout for him. He made some splashes in G League and a couple appearances um, the last couple of years. So he's still around. So still cheering for him also. Yeah, he was uh, Rookie of the Year, I think, in the G League yeah. last year. So uh, he'll definitely be a kind of a splash player for Summer League as one of the guys who's kind of – I don't think there was a, a big Summer League last year, so this might be his actual first opportunity to kind of get that Summer League experience in. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited to get to watch these guys. gives us a reason to tune into some Summer League games that sure. we might not have normally tuned into uh, just to kind of see how Bryson and Adonis are doing. But – the G League is definitely, I feel like, a good fit for them to get their careers started. And then, you know, you work hard, you play really well at that level, you'll get your opportunity uh, at the NBA. So for both of these guys, I wouldn't be shocked to see them getting some NBA minutes, uh, you know, next season or maybe the year after that. But sure. they'll definitely be really great G League players. And so looking forward to seeing them get this opportunity in the summer, uh, see what they do with that. And who knows what happens after that? You know, you put on a good show in Vegas. Next thing you know, you could be uh, fighting for a NBA roster spot. So yeah. excited for those guys. We'll be cheering them on. And that is all we've got for this week. Dustin, you have any final shots for uh, us this week? No, no final shots. Texas Tech style. Um, just because everything's pretty slow, pretty dead. I think we covered it with NBA um, draft stuff. And so... Um, no, nothing else for me, man. Yeah, the Texas Tech news is pretty slow right now. Uh, some football recruiting is going on. You know, Joey McGuire continue, continuing to add on to that 2023 class. Um, some yeah, at some point were, we're going to be full. Like, we're almost – we're over yeah. 20 recruits now. <laughs> I did hear today on that that we – that's the most recruits we've had in, like, the last five years already like in one class. Yeah. It's uh, it's impressive to watch. It's it's fun again to be able to pay attention to recruiting and and be in there competing. I think Calvin Simpson Hunt is a guy that we're battling Ohio State with. It's just things that you never thought you would hear with Texas Tech recruiting is us no. and Ohio State battling for a corner. So uh, just been impressive what Joey's done. So keep an eye out on Twitter. These guys are always really good about. Uh, sending out some bat signals when they've got a recruit. So we'll just look out for the Joey McGuire 
uh, let's go tweet and that means some good news is on its way but that'll do it for tailgate talks in week 91 uh, we enjoyed that interview with pod slamma jamma getting to know everything about the university of houston and their joining the big 12 conference next season uh, make sure you are following the tailgate on apple and spotify to listen to the full interview uh, and check in with us, you know, next week when we got BYU coming onto the pod. So make sure you're following us there. Follow our social media account at tailgate underscore talks on Twitter, where we do most of our interacting. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And also be checking in with our YouTube channel where we're posting these interviews so you can see our beautiful faces as we interview uh, these guys from these schools. So uh, thanks for stopping by the tailgate this week. Hope you enjoyed this interview with Pod Slamma Jamma, and we will catch you guys at the next Hellgate. Peace.